Morning, Fellowship family. How's everybody today? Good. Good to be with you guys. Uh, my glasses are bent. Don't y'all hate when you do that? I think I set them down in the truck and then threw my backpack on them. I know they don't look like that, but they feel like this, you know? Anyway. Hey, before we get started today, I want to go off script a little bit uh, and do something that... Uh, maybe is, is not done all the time. Uh, I want to talk about uh, the staff at this campus for a minute. And, and nobody has asked me to do this. In fact, I didn't even ask permission to do this. So Scott mentioned earlier that you'd be seeing a lot of me. After I do this, you might not see me ever again. I don't know, but uh, I, uh, most of you guys know Scott. He's up here. He's the, the campus pastor of, of this campus. And uh, I want to say, as a part of this church family, what you guys think a lot, but we humans are weird. We think good things, but we don't often voice them, right? And so I just want to say, on behalf of your church family, uh, Scott, you're a good man. You're a good man. And I have enjoyed, yeah, sure, y'all love on him. Um, man, I've enjoyed getting to know you, and, uh, and you're leading well, so don't let the enemy tell you any different, so thanks for leading. But there's more than, than just Scott. You have a team here. Um, I've gotten to know John just a little bit, uh, and uh, so impressed with him. Um, John and I have a very tight bond over something called barn swinging and uh, you'll just have to google it later not while I'm talking but later uh, just google that um, his wife Autumn sings up here I, I know I'm gonna miss people Hunter I've gotten to meet uh, Cheryl does your kids oh gosh uh, 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 Jeff does media anyway here's my point to all this being on staff at a church is not easy doing church work. It's hard. And a lot of people I've heard over the years, they'll say, and if you don't know me, by the way, I, I've been a pastor for the better part of um, three decades, and people will say, well, it's your calling. So uh, you probably love it because it's your calling. And, and I will agree with you that it's a calling. It's not always enjoyable. Uh, a few weeks ago, I shared uh, a statement that a pastor had shared with me years and years ago. Uh, ministry would be great if it weren't for the people. Uh, and, uh, and so it's hard, and, and, and you may not realize this, but it can be thankless. And so I want to ask you, as one of us, as, as just a, a, a member of our church family here, I want to ask you to do something. You probably don't even know this, uh, but beginning October 1st, the whole month of October is something called Clergy or Pastor Appreciation Month. And uh, it stinks that we only do that in October, and most people don't even know that exists. So don't just do it in October. What I'm about to tell you, do it in February, in July, or every week, or whatever God leads you to do. Okay, but here's a challenge I have for you. Starting today, before you leave this place today, uh, go up to one of these guys and just give them a hug or a high five and just say thank you. You'd be shocked. Well, you guys know 
how powerful those words are when, when they come sincerely. But I want you to do more than that. Send them an email. Write them a handwritten note. Uh, give them a gift card. Uh, send them out to dinner. Some of you guys have the resources. Send them away for a weekend. Uh, because sometimes we, we, if we're not careful, we take our church leaders for granted. And we assume that they're having a ball. But it's hard. If nothing else, here's what's hard. When you answer a call to work at God's church and lead his family, whether you knew it or not, or whether you want it or not, you just put a target on your back. And so just love on them, uh, if you will. Just, not just next month. You don't even have to wait till next month. You can do it today or tomorrow. But just love on these guys and, and uh, let them know how much you appreciate them. Okay? That was free. Doesn't count against my time today. Uh, we are beginning now. Okay? So we've been in this uh, season where... We've been uh, talking about who we are as a church, kind of answering this question. What are we trying to do here? What are we up to? What's the end goal? And we started back in August with a series called Whatever It Takes. And those three words, whatever it takes, are actually a part of our church's mission statement. And for the sake of our talk today, I'm going to paraphrase it a little bit uh, for you. We as a church family... Two Rivers Campus, Mount Juliet Campus, this body of Christ, these people that have gathered together for one mission, it is our goal that we would do whatever it takes to help people do three things. Find Jesus, get to know him more, and live more like him. That sounds pretty simple, right? And I think everybody will get, yep, that pretty much sums up church. And it shouldn't just be our mission statement. I think it's safe to say that should be all Bible-believing, Jesus-worshiping churches. That, that ought to be our goal, to do whatever it takes to help people bump into Jesus, to help them get to know him more so that they'll start to live more like him. Pretty safe, right? And so now we've switched gears, and last week we kicked off a second part of this study where we're moving from what are we trying to do here, what's the goal, to how do we do that? So if that's what we want to be and who we want to be and what we want to do, then exactly how do we help people find Jesus, get to know him more, and start to live uh, more like him? And here at our church, we explain that with three words. Gather, grow, and go. Th those are our three words that we use. And, and last week, Scott uh, kicked us off by talking about the importance of gathering together. And I made a few notes as I was watching his message online last week, and I want to recap it for us real quick in case you weren't here or you didn't see it. First thing is uh, he told us that gathering and being together is one of the most important things we can do as followers of Christ. We just need to be together, just like this. There's, there's power in this. I think God loves it when his kids come together and sing to him or whatever it is, but, but gathering is one of the most important things we can do. We gather, and I'm paraphrasing Scott, so Scott, when you hear this, don't say, I don't think I said that. You did, I'm just putting it in a different language, okay? Um, we gather so that we can love on one another, take care of each other, and encourage each other. That's why we gather. And, and he said one more thing that really caught my ear that we're going to dive deeper into next week. Last week was gather. Today we're going to talk about growing. We'll get to that in a second. And in the next week, the word is go. And Scott mentioned that in the early church, 
uh, their focus was on relationships and friendships. That's what they did. And it was God who took those relationships and turned the world upside down. Like you and I start thinking that, you know, in fact, pastors are famous for this. We'll get in a room, we'll go away on a retreat, and we'll go, this is an amazing plan. This is going to change people's lives. And God's kind of going, the plan hasn't changed. It's you. You're the plan. You're plan A and there is no plan B. Your relationships with one another, but our relationships with people outside this building. Uh, I sent Scott and, and Lynn Taylor a, uh, a little image uh, via text of this pitcher uh, who got mad because this guy hit a home run on him. He slams his glove down because he was mad. And I said, this is what Satan did last week when Scott said these words. This is what he said. He said, if you can honestly tell me that all your friends are inside the church, you don't, I, Scott, I don't have any non-Christian friends. Scott followed that up by saying, then you need to pull up a chair and invite somebody new to your table. Because you are the plan. Us loving on people out there and the way we love each other in here and out there is the plan for the redemption of the world. So, uh, gather, go, and right here in the middle we have growth. So we're going to be in Acts chapter 2 again this morning. If you want to turn there, we're going to... Uh, take a look at the verse that that we've kind of made the anchor of this series, Uh, again in Acts chapter 2. And so let's answer a couple of questions today while we're together. Number one, why do we grow? And we're going to get to that in a minute. What's the point to growing? Because you, you, you have this moment in your life where you hand over the keys to Jesus, but then what? We'll, we'll tackle that in a second. But how do I grow? How do I, as a follower of Christ, how do we as a church family begin to act, speak, and think more like Jesus? What does that look like? So before we get any further down the road, let's go back and look at Acts chapter 2, verse 42 again. I'm reading it out of a little bit different translation uh, this week. It's called the Amplified Bible. Uh, But it should be pretty close, and if not, we'll have it up here on the screens. Acts chapter 2, verse 42, this is what the Bible says. They, and they was the church. It was, it was us 2,000 years ago. It's just, just us, right? They, the church, were continually and faithfully devoting themselves to the instruction of the apostles. Apostles just a Bible word for teacher, or pastor, or preacher. Uh, to the instruction of the apostles, to fellowship, eating meals together, and prayers. And if you're wondering uh, why every time church people get together, they have to eat, there it is right there. Biblical, right? We're supposed, we're supposed to do that, all right? So what I want to do this morning is start with a couple of foundational things, and then we're going to get into some more practical things uh, toward the end today, okay? So, so when you think about Acts chapter 2, uh, when you think about this, uh, these words that we use to describe how we help people find Jesus, get to know Him, and live more like Him, gather, grow, and go, when you think of all that, specifically growing, here's the first thing I don't want you to forget today. Growing must be intentional. Growing has to be on purpose. Look at the verse again, same verse, but this time I've added an emphasis on a particular word. So verse 42 of Acts chapter 2, it says they were continually and faithfully, here's the word, devoting themselves to the instruction, fellowship, eating meals, and prayer. 
They were devoted to it. To be devoted to something means that you make up your mind that it's important. That's what it means to be devoted to something. You guys uh, remember back in the uh, 80s, um, that song from the movie Grease, uh, Hopelessly Devoted to You? I think I have it right here. Let's see if we can... Yeah, you know that song, right? Come on. Everybody now. Oh, you don't have to sing it. I'm too... You are singing. Keep going. Yeah. Here, look. Come on, everybody on the chorus. Okay, stop. Stop, stop. All right. Uh... When you're at work this week and someone says, what songs did y'all play in church this week? Um, I promise you that was on the playlist of every skating rink in America on Friday night in 1984. And if you were a 14-year-old boy at one of those skating rinks like I was, and you were on your A game, you would strategically find out when they would play that type of song because they would, this song would come on and then the announcer would come over to the PA and say something like this. Slow skate, couples skate, right? And, and what you would do is you would strategically position yourself close to a cute 14-year-old girl or girls if you wanted to increase your odds so that when a a uh, song like that came on, you could beat the other guys to the punch and have a girl to, to skate around with, right? That has no spiritual value whatsoever, except, except that whether it's teenage skating rink love or growing in our faith, if you're devoted something, to something, that means you have made up your mind, you have resolved in your heart that this is important. By the way, uh, and this is free, you can probably tell what someone is devoted to in their life if you just stand back and watch what gets their time, energy, and money. You don't have to ask them. Just watch what they give their time, money, and energy to, and that'll tell you what they're devoted to. So let's, let's put this idea in concrete real quick. Becoming more like Jesus does not happen by accident. It's the exact same principle that applies if we want to grow in any other area of our lives. Let's take getting in shape, for instance, because most of us, I'd say 99% of us, at some point in our lives, we've said either I need to get in shape or back in shape. But no one ever, never, ever has said this. You know what? I'm going to get in shape. And then they do nothing. They do absolutely nothing. They don't change their eating habits. They don't go to the gym. They don't exercise. They don't do anything. And then just by saying, I'm going to get in shape, then they walk into the, the bathroom one morning to brush their teeth. They look in the mirror and they go, whoa, look at those abs. Look at those bazookas attached to my shoulders. Like, where'd those come from? That's silly, right? Because everybody knows that you don't get abs and bazookas without hard work and without being intentional. It doesn't happen accidentally. And so if we're going to grow, we have to do it on purpose. We have to make up our minds that it's important. Okay? Number two. 
Growing has to be consistent. Same thing. Look at, look at uh, verse 42 again, uh, and I've emphasized new words this time. They, the church, were continually and faithfully devoting themselves to instruction, fellowship, eating meals, and prayers. You can't say, I'm going to eat better this year, and then only eat kale and broccoli one day that year. It, it doesn't count, right? I, I actually saw this uh, meme this week uh, somewhere on the internet. I have no idea where, but it said this. It was a picture of a, a piping hot loaf of bread, and the meme said, I miss the good old days when bread was healthy and kale didn't exist. Isn't that true? And, and like, where did kale come from? Who invented that? Because I don't remember it when I was little, and I want to talk to that person. Like, what? You know, so anyway, we, we, can't, we can't just say, yep, I'm going to eat better, and then every, uh, you know, 40th day of the year, we eat some vegetables. Listen to this. Don't miss this. If you want to get the results that you're looking for, you have to be consistent. You have to do it continually and faithfully. And this is probably as good a place as any for me to tell you this this morning. No matter what area it is, in your life uh, that you're trying to work on. It could be your physical health, uh, your mental or emotional health, your spiritual health. It could be relationships or finances. Doesn't matter what it is. Whatever area you're trying to work on, here's some really profound advice. And I can say that because I didn't make this up. If you want different results, do different stuff. You can't keep doing the same stuff and then say, I really want these results, but keep doing the stuff that gets you the other results. We, we, gotta, we gotta do different stuff and we gotta be consistent about it, okay? So, gotta be intentional, gotta be consistent. For the rest of our time together, I wanna focus on two really important aspects of growing because if we miss these next two, it doesn't matter how intentional or consistent we are, it won't matter. There won't, there won't be the payoff that we're looking for, okay? So remember, we said, how do we grow and why do we grow? Here it is. Uh, growing should lead to life change, not just knowledge. Just let that one settle for a minute. Growing should make us different, not just fill our heads with things that we know. We're not looking for just party tricks or trivia answers, it needs to change us. James chapter 2, the Bible tells us that faith without works is dead. And what the author of James was really trying to say there is, uh, if your faith, walk with Christ, go into church, whatever, whatever you want to call it, whatever you want to lump in there, if all of that does not lead you to doing really good things in this world that make an impact on the lives of the others, what's the point? Why bother Here's another way we could say this this morning for, for the sake of our time together. Information without transformation is useless. And I, I'm not a super big fan uh, of big words like transformation because they give me brain fog. But transformation really is the correct word here. Look at Romans chapter 2, uh, excuse me, Romans chapter 12, verse 2. The Bible says, 
do not copy the behaviors and customs of this world, but instead let God transform you into a new person by changing the way you think. You guys remember this? I think we have this picture. You guys remember this toy from uh, the 1980s? It's called a transformer, right? And unfortunately, this was just barely uh, behind my time. Like, I was already too old to play, play with toys by then. Uh, but what you would have, like, this one's a truck, or you'd have a car or a boat, or I, I've seen them be ambulances and fire trucks, all kinds of stuff. But what you have, watch, you have this truck... And then you take the truck and you do some certain intentional things with it and it becomes this crime-fighting, alien-killing robot. So these two things, in case you don't know, are the same thing. That robot used to be that truck. But in the middle of that transformation, you have to, you have to do some things to the truck to turn it into a robot. You guys following me? So here's how it works for us in our... And this is the point, guys, I promise. You were this. You become intentional and consistent about doing this, A, B, and C. And if you're faithful and consistent in that, then God will use those things to turn you into this. Something completely different than you were before. Uh, before I was a believer, I had a friend of mine uh, named Brian, and he was the guy that invited me to church all the time. Uh, and I made fun of him constantly. We were in high school, junior high and high school, and I just wasn't into God or church. I, I just was a you know, pretty messed up kid, and I just would make fun of him all the time. Well, long story short, one time I finally said yes. God got a hold of me, changed my life. I became a pastor, and a few times over the last... Uh, several years, including at my 25-year high school reunion, uh, we ran into each other, and Brian's response is always the same thing. I cannot believe you're a preacher. <laughs> like, I just can't believe it. He would literally shake his head in disbelief. And, and what I love about that reaction is I was this. I committed to this, and over time, God has turned me into this. And here's what's really great. Now I'm this, but I'm not finished. Because i got to stay committed to this and this and this, and now God will make me this. That's, that's the whole reason we do this. So here's a logical question this morning. What, what's A, B, and C? What is this? What, what do we do to become, go from what I used to be to what God wants me to be? And we could spend a couple of hours here walking through this. In fact, it would be a great teaching series just on spiritual formation. What, what are the spiritual disciplines that we commit to? And so I'm just going to reel off a few. A few weeks ago, I put a couple of these up on the screen. We're not going to do that today, so if you want to write these down, you can. But uh, these are things that can help you transform. Uh, I mentioned this last time. Take a walk with Jesus. Just in, early in the morning, go walk. What a great way to watch the sunrise, just walking and talking with Jesus. And, and somebody in here might say, I don't know what to say. That's your first line. Jesus, I don't know what to say. Just talk to him. Uh, listen to worship music. Uh, the song that we're going to sing uh, in a few minutes at the end of this today, I've had on repeat all week long. And it's just a great way where you don't have to really work hard, but there's truth coming in. 
Just truth. put it on repeat and, and let the truth come into your heart. Of course, read the Bible. That's the easy one, right? But I want to give you a tip here, okay? Uh, and listen, I'm not anti any translation of the Bible, but let's just be honest, family, for a minute, okay? I haven't met anyone in my lifetime who speaks in King James, okay? I just, if you do, that's great. And if you understand it, and thou shalt get so much out of thy word of thy Bible when thou readest that, then go for it. That's what you ought to read. But most people like me were simple. Find a translation that you can read. I, I want to let you in, pull back the curtain from pastors and theologians and Bible scholars real quick. There's a lot of debate over translations. And here's the truth. I'm going to give you the secret. Almost every one of them are really, really close. Okay, so unless you pick up a, a translation of the Bible at your local Christian bookstore and uh, your old Bible, like the King James says, thou shalt not murder, uh, unless you pick up a Bible and it says, well, if they were really a jerk and you were really mad, like if, if that's how far off it is, then probably put that one down and get another one, but just find something that you can understand. And I mentioned this last time. Don't start reading the Bible in Leviticus or Lamentations. You'll hate the Bible. And you'll be depressed. It, it, just start in the Gospels. That's a great place to start. Just start in, in Matthew and, and read the Bible. Uh, we talked about YouVersion. It's a great app. Find a devotional book. Get in a life group. We're going to talk about that in a minute. Find an accountability partner. Somebody that can... Uh, ask you the hard questions. So those, those are the things that we're talking about when we say, what do I do to go from being, from, from being this to this? Okay, so that, that's why we grow, is to transform. We grow so that we will, we will start to think, act, speak, and live like Jesus without even trying. It'll just come naturally. Why? Because that's who we are now. Like we're becoming more like him. Look at 2 Corinthians uh, chapter 5. The way it says it is, anyone who belongs to Christ has become a new person. The old life is gone, and a new life has begun. And more specifically, I, I wrote a few things down that, that I want to give as examples, okay? What this means is, as you commit to doing these things, being consistent and intentional and faithful in the things that it takes to transform your life... It literally transforms you from selfish to selfless. From abrasive to gentle. You go from being controlling to trusting. It's part of the process. You go from having a negative attitude to you wake up and over time you're like, wow, I just have a more optimistic outlook on life. You go from greedy to giving. Your words go from hurtful to encouraging. It means that over time, you start to look more like Jesus. Here's another way we could say this. Knowledge without action is meaningless. Here's an example. Suppose that you go into the store this week. And you're pushing the buggy down the aisle, and at the end of the aisle, you see someone fall to the ground, and they've gone into cardiac arrest. 
They're having a full-blown heart attack. People in the store panicking. Is there a doctor? Does anybody know CPR? Well, what if you knew CPR? Like, you know it. You know how to check the scene, assess the patient, see if they're okay. You know how many and how fast and how deep to do compressions. You know how to tilt the airway open. You know how to breathe. You know how to check for rise in their chest. You know CPR. But you don't go help them and they die. And suppose someone found out that you were at the store that day and, and they come to you and they say, hey, I heard that you were in the store the other day when that man had a heart attack. Yeah, I was there. Well, I heard that you know CPR. Yeah, yeah, I, I know CPR like the back of my hand. Why'd you even bother learning CPR if you weren't going to help when it's needed? You guys follow me? Like, everything we do, we can go to as many Bible study classes as we want, we can do all these kind of things, come to church and learn stuff about God, Jesus, and the Bible. But if we're still a jerk to our spouse, our neighbor, our coworker, our teammate, our teacher, what's the point? It's got to change us. And that's when it's infectious. You know, when, when Scott was talking last week about uh, uh, John ch- uh, chapter 13, 14, whatever it is, uh, they'll know you belong to me by the way you, you love each other. And, and when we read Acts chapter 2 and, and beyond, and we see how literally uh, the way they called it, like Jesus, took off like wildfire, and it tur- literally turned the world upside. To remember, at the beginning of chapter 2, Peter, who can't uh, say a full sentence at that time, because he's, he's a you know, blockhead like me, he gets up and says, this is who Jesus is, and this is what he wants for you, and 3,000 people give their hearts to Christ. One of the reasons that it was spreading so quickly is because people were being transformed. They weren't just punching their church clock. It was changing them, and people noticed. And when I say that you're plan A and there's no plan B, the best thing that you and I can do is not... And, and I'm not knocking all these, so save your emails. Not go by four spiritual laws track or, gosh, when I was a new believer, we learned evangelism explosion. And you would stop someone in the store and say, do you know for sure if you were to die tonight, you'd go to heaven? In 2021, someone might punch you and run away if you, if you said that, right? The best tool we have, listen, the best tool we have to turn this world upside down for the gospel is a transformed life who thinks, speaks, and acts more like Jesus. Just do that. And then finally, growing works best when we do it together. Look at verse 42 one more time. Change the emphasis. They were continually and faithfully devoting themselves to the instruction, to the fellowship, eating meals, what? Together. Uh, I've had a couple of major surgeries uh, over the past few years. I'm sure my wife is smiling when I say that. Uh, I feel like anybody in here who's had a major surgery and, and had to rehab through that will back me up on this. Uh, I'll take my back surgery for instance, um, there is no way 
that I would be standing here today. There's certainly no way that I would be walking normally and enjoying all the normal things that I do in my healthy life if I didn't have physical therapists, nurses, and doctors in my corner for that. Can you imagine if the doctor had operated on my back, put all that metal in there, plates and screws, and then just said, roll him over there, he's on his own. You and I cannot transform from broken to healthy without getting other people involved. And so we close the day by asking, what does that look like here at our church? And I, I mean our church here at this campus, Two Rivers, and our campus at Mount Juliet, our church family. It looks like this, and, and this one's worth taking a picture of today if you don't hear anything else. It means you need other people, and other people need you. And practically, and I'm just going to sit down here, and we're just going to talk as a family. Practically, what that looks like here is this thing called life groups. And I want to close today by giving you a couple of appendixes, not the kind in your stomach, but the kind at the end of a book, right? Uh, Appendix number one is this. You can come in here on Sunday mornings, sit in a row, look up here and listen to someone teach. You can serve in a multitude of ways, and that is good. You should not stop doing that. Everybody hear me? That is good. But I feel that if we were really going to see a transformation from this to this, we've got to not only sit in rows on Sunday and hear someone teaching us, we've got to circle up knee to knee, nose to nose, and we got to find people who become our people. And I'm saying this as, as sincerely as I can this morning. Uh, buy us dinner one time, and Michelle and I will tell you how God brought us here to the fellowship. It's crazy. Because for the last 30 years, the way we find a church is they hire us. You know, and we... That's not how we got here. God just brought us here to be a part of this church family. And um, we don't believe it's an accident. We don't. My wife and I. And uh, as we look forward to the coming years, we want you to be our people. We want to lock arms with you and we want to be transformed with you. We want to help you. Uh, love lost and hurting people into relationship with Jesus. And so if you, two things, if you are not already in community with people, you're one of those people, and I've been there, so I'm not throwing rocks at you, just listen to me for a second. If you're one of those people who comes in late and leaves early, or you come in and you're pretty anonymous, and you sit here and you listen, and sometimes it like creates this warm, fuzzy feeling in your heart, and you're like, man, thanks, that was awesome, and you go and, and you leave. There's nothing wrong with that, but I believe God created you for more. I think you need other people, and other people need you. It's not just about you needing other people. It's about people need your experiences and your heart and your words They need you. And so we have these things called life groups. 
and I want to define, this is appendix number two, I want to define what a life group is not and then tell you what it is real quick. A life group is not just a Bible study or a class. It can be that, but in fact, just look at this on the screen. A life group is simply a group of people doing life together and taking care of each other. And guys, just leave that up there for a little bit if we can. It can involve Bible study. It, it should sometimes, but it doesn't have to. And I know some of you are like, what? Doing life together and taking care of each other doesn't always mean we have to carry around our grandmother's coffee table Bible and always open it up and study. Let me, let me give an example. Uh, in churches that God's allowed me to be a part of over the years, we've had life groups that are golf leagues. Uh, Michelle and I, again, this is a long story, I won't bore you with the whole thing, but Michelle and I were called in 2013 to go to uh, Colorado and start a brand new church. And I'm not, minimi- I'm, I'm not overstating this. One of the number one things God used to build that body of believers and see dozens and dozens of people's lives change forever is fantasy football. It's the craziest thing. And, and are you saying, oh, well, well, gosh, I guess before you did fantasy football, y'all read through Philippians? Nope. We didn't crack the Bible open. We just did life together and took care of each other. And I'm not minimizing the Bible. We should. Because now there are other kind of uh, Bible studies where, let's say, uh, or, or life groups, uh, let's say your life group meets in your cul-de-sac. And hopefully some other people in your cul-de-sac have started coming to your house and, and y'all are doing life together and you're taking care of each other and you do study the Bible and sometimes you study the Bible deeply and sometimes just eat. The Bible said so, right? There are other kind of groups where they're intensive Bible studies. We're going to go through the book of Philippians. We're going to start here and we're going to end here. We're going to go through experiencing God. We're going to do purpose-driven life or financial peace or whatever that is. Like, I want to be transformed. I want to go from being this to this. And so I'm going to sign up for one of these and, and do that. And it's going to help God transform me from what I was to what he wants me to be. And so I don't want you to miss this. This is such a profound thing for us to remember today. Whether it's on a golf course or around something as dumb as fantasy football or deeply in the Word, or I'll give you another one, whether we gather together on Saturday mornings, make meals, and take them to the homeless, as long as we are doing life together and taking care of each other, it counts. And so I just want to tell you about October 3rd. don't miss it. Please don't miss it. Golly, don't miss it. You said we have a trip rescheduled. Reschedule the trip. Like, I'm just telling you, don't miss it. It's going to be, Michelle and I are leading a new group. And if you don't have a group, come, come to our group. We're hoping on that day that two things will lead people to become a part of our life group and do life with us and help us take care of each other. Two things, the Holy Spirit and bacon. We, we, we want you to come be a part of that. Don't miss out. So here it is. We, we grow so that we can start to think, act, 
and speak and live more like Jesus so that other people will see that and they'll be attracted to it. You've got to be intentional and consistent. Information without transformation is useless. Knowledge without action, remember CPR, it's meaningless. Growing happens best when we do it together. You need other people and other people need you. And I'll leave you with this. As I was driving over here to be with you this morning, this thought came to my mind. Life is hard enough as it is. Like, it's hard. Life's hard. Every one of you know that. Don't make it harder by doing it on your own. Find some people. Let's pray. God, thank you that transformation is even possible. Thank you, Lord, that you don't leave us who we once were. God, I pray for this church family, this part of our church family this morning. God, I pray that you would make it so clear to them that you're at work. Lord, we know you're at work because Satan's madder than a hornet. And he's doing whatever he can to get us to take our eyes off the ball. God, make us new. Make us a new creation. So that people around us will see that and say, I want some of that. It's in your name we pray.